So, um, so I won't comment on your shiny head, but uh, we are privileged to have the esteemed co-host of Fox Five News at night. What do you do? You're, you're the, my co-host. Uh, I don't think I'm a co-host. I'm a uh, weekly medical headlines contributor. I think that, that's what I am. Uh, but I am the co-host of a very well-known podcast. Uh, we're actually looking for a new co-host uh, to go with me, if you know anybody. Who's we? <laughs> Myself. Anyway. Good to be here, man. So who do we got on the docket today? Is it just me? It's just you. We, ha- we get to talk about COVID, which I have what we call compassion fitigue about COVID. But um, it's, actually, it's actually empathy fatigue, and it's a very real thing. And uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, is the way it is, uh, we keep trucking on uh but the reality is it's taking a toll you know uh not just on doctors but especially on nurses on all frontline staff uh right and you know we can we can touch on it for a second but i'll tell you uh and we know this uh, you look at the er the icu there's a lot of turnover these days and i don't think one can say it's not related to COVID 19 and the and the emotional toll it takes um and so if we can uh, do a public service announcement, if there's any you need any other reason to get a vaccine, um, you know, let's help our doctors and our nurses and our frontline staff uh, who go through this day in, out, day in and day out. Uh, and let's get vaccinated. Let's, let's end this or get us under control once and for all. Speaking of the vaccine, um, yeah. my last was in January. So I actually scheduled my booster next week. I'm excited. Um, what's your take on? The booster. Can you update us on the current recommendations? So sure. So you know, right now the Pfizer uh, vaccine is approved for 15 and above. So that's a little caveat. 12 to 15 is still a e-way or expanded use authorization. Now, having said that, people are very excited about. Hey, when should I get a booster? That's looking at some data from the UK and from Israel that were ahead of us in in their uh, vaccination efforts. And they found after a certain time period, six to eight months, they did see a waning. Uh, and that means, you know, in case you didn't know, a decrease in the antibodies produced by the vaccine. Now, can I interrupt and you for a minute? Of course, finally, huh? Let me interrupt you for a minute. Some yeah. people actually check their antibodies, their spike protein antibodies, and gauge whether they have immunity or not and whether they need a booster. Is that correct? Or Man, just... I, it's, it's, it's a pet peeve, kind of like uh, the way you dress. It, yeah. it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. <laughs> that was good, by the way, huh? Um, it drives me nuts because people will say, well, should I get my antibodies checked? And I'll tell them, what are you going to do with that information? If it's a 50, does that mean you don't need a booster? If it's 75, does that mean you're good? If it's 35, does that mean, oh, I need a booster? We don't know yet quantitatively what these numbers mean. Uh, so we have to look at what does it mean clinically. Clinically, six to eight months, it seems that people... Uh, that are exposed to COVID while still well protected from moderate severe disease, death, hospitalizations, can get breakthrough infections. Now, the reality is overall, the majority of these breakthrough infections will be very mild. But there's certain groups that we think should be prioritized to get a booster. And let's let's talk about that, right? So the biggest one is 65 and over. Um, You're close. You're close to that? I don't know. You that's, got a lot of gray in that, in that little... That's your demographic. Thanks, Fang Manchu, that you got going on over there. But 65 and over, first. Those that are in nursing homes and institutionalized, for whatever reason, should also get it. Number two, anyone over the age of 50 who is immunocompromised, so stem cell transplant, organ transplant, immunosuppressive, uh, primary immunodeficiency, acquired, like things like HIV, 
Those are three priorities. The tricky part is in addition, if you're 18 to 49 and you're immunosuppressed, you can consider getting it. And if you're in a high risk occupation, and that just doesn't mean just doctors, uh, policemen, firemen, nurses, respiratory techs, also mean things like librarians, those in the restaurant industry, uh, grocery clerks, anyone that's exposed to a lot of people from what they do, i.e. those people who are not working from home. They can also consider a booster after six months or more after your second dose. What and about, that's what we know so far. What about women or men of the night? Those type of workers, are, are they, um, they're high risk. You know, I <laughs> think uh, so. The word is the correct terminology is commercial sex workers. And uh, all kidding aside, it's actually a good question. Um, if that is something that you are doing, uh, and let's remember the certain states, uh, you would know better than me, that are it is <laughs> in, certain, in certain regards. Uh, Nevada comes to mind, but not in Vegas, but outside Vegas. Then absolutely. I mean, all kidding aside, you know, this is regulated in a lot of parts of the world, parts of Europe. Um, and if you're talking about a public health issue, then I'd be all for commercial sex workers uh, also. Uh, I feel like this is the title of this, the topic is going to come from this conversation right here. But yes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, as a public health issue, they would fall under that guise of a high risk occupation. Do you want to talk about the kids now? Or at well, least the, very so timely you asked that because just today, uh, yeah. Pfizer yeah. announced that they're submitting data to the FDA. Uh, and it's expected that they're going to apply for an EUA, expand use authorization, very quickly. Uh, shortly thereafter, they're actually looking at data phase two, phase three. I know you don't like to the big word words, on the street the that the, um, the the amount of kids they study was pretty small. Well, it was a de- if you look like from a couple thousand from a stats analysis, it's around 2,400, 23 okay. and change. It was enough based on the demographics of the children and how long they were studied to both establish efficacy. So if you compare it to 25 and older. The immune response was the same, as well as safety. So the side effects were very similar, again, very minimal uh, and similar to other age groups and also the dosing. So you and I, even my 12-year-old kid, all got 30 micrograms or three cc's for 12 and under. So excuse me, so 5 to 11, so under than 12, will get one cc. Uh, and I know if you're for those mathematically challenged, that would be 10 micrograms. So they've established the dose, the safety, and most importantly, the efficacy. They will submit now to the FDA very soon an EUA application. In terms of timeline, best guess is about a month after that application. So hopefully around Halloween time, we'll start seeing jabs in kids. Uh, armed. Really? Yeah, wow. end of October. And that's hugely important because we know that this age group, while may, may not be oftentimes and very rarely gets severely affected by COVID, we know with Delta that they're highly efficient transmitters of the virus to other people in the family, and that may include elderly grandparents or those who are immunocompromised, et cetera. So this will and a lot of the new cases and a lot of new cases and unvaccinated people are kids. So even in uh, Florida, you mentioned Israel, right. you know, they had, a, I think it was about 60% of the people were vaccinated. Now they're seeing not breakthrough cases, but a high incidence of people who are unvaccinated, which a lot of them are kids. So correct. Um, you know, kids can get it and they can't, they can transmit it. So yeah, I'll tell you one thing, and this is unfortunate, but we talk about this all the time, you know, we have to make sure as doctors and as educators, we don't allow this to be politicized. And already, if you look at uh, some early uh, questionnaires, as you can imagine, parents that are very likely to, or have already gotten vaccinated are very much more likely to get their kids vaccinated. 
those who are against the vaccine are absolutely against their children getting vaccinated. So right now, about 55% of parents polled nationally um, say they'll allow their children to get vaccinated. But if you look at the numbers, and unfortunately, even across political divides, it's skewed heavily in one party's direction, upward right. and very far down, and other parties. I won't get into which is which, uh, because as doctors, you know, we have to just push the agenda that this is not political, this is science, and this is something that's good for everyone out there. We have three options, depending on your age group, et cetera. And this is really, a, again, celebration and a victory of science. Uh, and I can't stress it enough. You can't stress it enough for every community out there. Go and get vaccinated. I agree. I think um, for a later conversation, we do have to talk about the, uh, the political and social aspect of it. Okay. It is not now, but it is driving me crazy. Um, but I won't. I'll leave that angry angriness to a later it's not angry, man. It's being, uh, and I don't like using woke because woke is also a bad word in today's vernacular. It's just being an advocate for patients. And people ask me all the time, you know, what do you have to gain? I have nothing to gain. I only thing I have to gain is my patients um, and your patients uh, 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 better health. And in the public health arena, conversely, or not conversely, but in other words, you know, ending, helping to end this pandemic or at least bringing it under control. So there is no gain for us as physicians, right? The only gain is the understanding that science is, has, has shown us that this vaccine is safe, it's efficacious, and now we're expanding it hopefully very soon to another large uh, demographic, five to 11. And then finally, we'll see the two to five-year-old, you know, uh, which will hopefully yeah. be the last one, how low that will go. Usually we don't give this vaccines to under six months for the flu, so we'll have to see if it goes below two years of age, but everything in good time. But obviously the five to 11 is an important demographic because they're the ones going back to school. That's huge, that's huge, yeah. 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 Well, so anything you, else going on with you? Anything else okay? In this crazy it. time of COVID? Balling. I'm trying to think of any other, I'm trying to think of any other uh, uh, updates I can give you. I think that's two huge ones, obviously, with the FDA approval. Um, so what's the, the remind us, do you remember the timeline of the data and the uh, emergency authorization last time for general population? Can we, can we anticipate, you said, you said Halloween, you said? Well, I'll tell you, if we look at the 12 to 15, they applied for a EUA application on March, excuse me, May the 10th, May 9th or 10th, and they got the approval around June 9th or 10th. So give or take a day or two, approximately a month. And there's some, again, I have no inside information with the FDA or the CDC, but there's some uh, suspicion or thoughts that they may even fast track that even quicker. Right? So the same regulatory uh, uh, pathway doesn't need to go with each age group. It basically gets faster and faster. Once you've already uh, got 65 and over, then 15, 65, and then 18 or 16 and over, and then finally 12 to 15, the process speeds up. Um, the data needs to catch up. But once you have a data, the bureaucracy is easier to get through. So I would say a minimum uh, or a maximum of a month and hopefully shorter. And that's where that Halloween end of October timeframe comes to mind. Got it. Yeah. And I guess that the next challenging challenge is the, is the messaging. Right. The, uh, well, messaging is always a challenge. Um, and then there's always a lot of exciting things out there. By the way, I would be, uh, uh, I would be uh, adverse if I didn't uh, uh, mention that don't forget to get your flu shot also. So I don't know if you got your flu shot already, but uh, I already did. No? Not yet. Not yet. I usually tell people end of September, early October is a good time. It takes about two weeks to build up immunity. Uh, one thing I'll mention is people. I'm going to wait to see if enough people get it before I get mine. Uh, is that right? <laughs> But remember, people often ask me, when should I, when should I get first? My flu shot, my booster, or my primary uh, uh, COVID uh, series? The reality is 
some people feel comfortable waiting a week or two, but the reality is you can probably get them right at one after another. There's no issues at all. There's some thoughts that next year and the years following, there may be attempts to make co-formulations of seasonal influenza and potential COVID-19 boosters. Well, that remains to be seen, but there are some studies going on for that. Uh, I tell people if you want to be safe, two weeks, uh, but that's actually not on hard data. Um, uh, you know, some people uh, are afraid of the side effects of the booster. The early data tells us that the booster doesn't really cause any more of a immunogenic response than the second dose. So people shouldn't be afraid of, oh my gosh, so far what I've seen from early data is, you know, sore arms. Uh, so something even a man like yourself can handle. Get mine Friday, yeah. this Friday. This Friday, yeah? Yeah. I just hope they can get it in the guns, though. Well, I know you're playing golf on Thursday, so I hope uh, you don't. I'm not it. playing, actually. You're not. Nope. You got uh, what happened? You got uh, moved to the B team, C yeah. team. All right. All so right. listen, I think we, I think we need, to do is keep, we need to keep this conversation going, and there's a lot of updates there. I mean, obviously, a whole host of data has come through with the boosters, and now the application, potential application to the FDA, but they've already. Pfizer's already given this uh, at least initial data to the FDA. So we expect this application to come in uh, any minute. So I think you and I will have to unfortunately keep talking to one another uh, and keep the public informed. And the public, if you have questions or concerns, ask your expert, ask your physician, your healthcare provider. Do not ask your mailman or uh, Joe from, uh, you know, Joe, the police that last episode of... Uh, that's my mama's house. Ask the doctor, please. <laughs> no, it's a what's going down episode of That's My Mama. Joe, please. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. All right, and good. how about this? Please, please do not ask your local Facebook expert, uh, i.e. someone who you last saw in middle school. Um, you know, I, again, it's so important. Ask your physician, ask your nurse practitioner, ask the nurse, trusted sources. Uh, the pandemic of misinformation is a very real thing. So we're trying to fight that one step at a time. Well said, sir. So. All right, listen, until next time, uh, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and listen, right? So where can they find us, by the way? It's been a few weeks since we've released an episode. RxDailyDose.com yeah. is the mothership. The mothership where it's all hosted. But you can find us on Spotify. And you're on TikTok uh, now? Ooh, TikTok. I'm not doing all this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, I, I I can't be doing that. Yeah, that, that's that's not me. That's more you. You know, maybe your people's. Uh, I don't know. People's. <laughs> no, your people's. Like your your crowd, man. Whoever that is. I don't know. People's. I can't be dancing. No, you see me dance. You see me dance. It's not good. Uh, no one wants to see me dance. Um, although I saw you dance once too. It wasn't much better, uh, surprisingly. So um, maybe we got some. We got some uh, video from the Dave Matthews. Uh... Show that you went now. There. You're talking if you, you know, maybe I should have done a TikTok from Dave. Now you're talking my language, you know. Um, now, do you sing along? Of course, <laughs> I have seen Dave Matthews about 30 35 times. I, I was hanging out with Dave Matthews and uh watching him before he was a big household name. Um, and no, he is not golf rock, he is not hooting the blowfish. You know, this is a guy. I, I'm well, we're gonna end on this, yeah. Born brought up in South Africa with a multi-ethnic uh, 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 band band members. And all he's ever talking about is uh, freedom and equality and social justice. So, I mean, I think uh, it's actually pretty incredible. This is a guy who grew up, in, out the grew up in the face of apartheid and has really dedicated his life to, you know, just breaking down barriers. And uh, that's, it's something to celebrate. Awesome. I'm glad you all celebrated. Right. Peace. <laughs>
All right, until next time, uh, be well, and we'll talk to you soon.